0: Hello and welcome to Horror Court Over the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash-to-pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we are back with another festival episode. Yeah, Extra special bonus festival episode where we're talking about our highlights. And this time it's for BFI Flare London LGBTQIA Plus Film Festival.
1: Yeah, it's nice to do these uh, little episodes every so often with the festivals. Just to uh, let everyone know of the films that we've enjoyed, films to look out for. Really enjoy it. Uh, We do Glasgow and London, don't we? Fright Fest. Uh, Yeah. 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 So it's always nice. Always nice to spread the word for these uh, wonderful filmmakers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you are new to our festival episodes, I say this every time, the people who listen to all of them must be sick of hearing me say it. Uh, but we are only going to be discussing our highlights, and we did only have access to the digital library, as well as two screeners that were sent to us, actually. Um, but yeah, mostly this is stuff from the digital library. Um, we are in Manchester, and we are now festival runners and podcast runners, and I'm in a band, and we're just, we're, we're busy gays.
1: Yeah, and I'm an Olympic bronze medalist in high jump, so... yeah and all that as well as our two jobs in the daytime as well
0: so yeah we we didn't get a chance to go to london but we got access to the digital library and it's great because this means we get to recommend you stuff that you may have missed um hopefully you didn't hopefully you got cds because they're all great uh but you know this is stuff that may not have distribution deal yet who knows if it'll get one they all fully deserve one um but yeah we just thought we'd, we'd spread the word
1: yeah, I, I especially like um, spreading the word about uh, queer cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because these are, by all accounts, smaller films, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of what we champion generally. Because yeah. the, pod- the bigger films, we only really discuss when they're part of dog shit. Really, let's be fair. (laughs) We don't talk blockbusters unless it's a massive dud. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's nice to talk about films that we really like that are coming out. And we want to have that big release, hopefully. And people can think, oh, shit, it's on streaming services or they see the DVD or Blu-ray. And they're like, Gary and Chris recommended this. Let's give it a go. Yeah. So, in no particular order, let's start with
0: Egghead and Twinkie. So this is directed by Sarah Camby Holland, and it's a coming-of-age road-trip comedy following an Asian-American teenage girl who, after coming out to her parents, takes off on a road trip to meet her online crush with the help of her nerdy best friend. Uh, yeah, so I love coming-of-age films, especially ones that try and recapture that nostalgia. Of the good old days, um, and I love a good road trip film as well. Uh, some of my favorite films are, you know, of those
1: two subgenres, and this does both really, really well. I like American road trip movies, yeah, because the road's much longer uh-huh. and there's much more going than like. Well, we're doing a road trip, and it's going to take us four days to get there. Here's an adventure. Yeah. Whereas if you drove in the UK for four days, you'd be in the Atlantic Ocean, yeah. you know? So it's it's nice. I like these kind of films. It's the kind of films that Americans do very well. And I love the queer aspects. It's very modern. It's based on a short film from 2019, but it feels very modern. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to see it from the perspective of... Uh, an Asian-American woman, because we tend to get coming-of-age films from a certain angle, Um, Mm -hmm. especially queer ones that tend to be white gay men. Mm. You know, so it's nice to see it from this perspective and to have the best friend who isn't queer on the road trip with her. And, you know, there's no spoilers, but... I thought it was more of a film about friendship than it was um, queer love. Mm -hmm. And I liked that. Yeah. I I didn't appreciate that.
0: I mean, the whole plot is based around um, the queer character going to meet a love interest Mm. uh, cross country. So there's also that element of mystery as to whether, hang on, love interest that you've met online, this just going to be a real person, you know? And I'm not going to, you know, spoil it as to whether it is or isn't. But, you know, that just adds an extra layer of, of to, as to how compelling the film is. Because um, you you don't know, do you, these days?
1: No, um, certainly but not. But also,
0: I was surprised by how much I liked the straight best friend as well. And, you know, his whole... Um, the fact that he's in, in love with her, again, not really a spoiler... Um, it, it's dealt with really well and it doesn't it never makes him unlikable no. he never goes too far with it it's kind of it's dealt with in a real good measure and
1: he's likable she's likable it's
0: it's really really good
1: yeah and and again told from a different perspective than what we're used to we you know I'm pretty sure every gay person that's listening has had some sort of crush or A fondness for someone who's straight yeah and they know that it's never going to happen Mm -hmm. and that's difficult and it's part of the queer coming of age story it's interesting to see it from the other side yeah yeah absolutely and it's just fun it's fun it's cute um it's very modern i i might be a little bit too old for it but if if you are Less than you know. Oh, it was years absolutely
0: old. calling back to films from our era. I
1: mean, even like the little animated things were very Lizzie McGuire. And... Yeah, that actually, yeah, I did like that. I did like the Lizzie McGuire sort of uh, moment. It was like it. it was like a throwback to stuff that we would have
0: watched when we were younger. But, but I thought it was more of very a modern as well.
1: You know, to love Simon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another, yeah,
0: like That's yeah, not the only one on this list that felt like a companion to Love Simon, mm-hmm. actually. Um, but moving on, going from one road trip to another, Unidentified Objects, which is directed by Johan Philippe Zuletta, And this is, again, another road trip film, a sci fi road trip, which, you know. Yes, yeah. Yeah. It mm-hmm. um, was listed as online.
1: Uh, following... The problem is when you say sci-fi road trip, it it makes it sound like they're in a spaceship. No, 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 no. it's it's a different kind of sci-fi. Yeah, uh,
0: and it follows an uptight dwarf and his free-spirited alien-obsessed neighbor who hit the road on a border-defying search for their place in the universe. Honestly, I really, really fucking loved this film, and this is a directorial debut and. A very impressive one at that. I really just... It just kind of... It felt new. And, and, you know, we just spoke about a road trip film that I said I felt like it had a lot of callbacks in it to previous road trip films and teen films of the early 2000s, etc., etc. This didn't feel like it had anything of the sort. This felt like its own thing.
1: It was so kind of wacky. Yeah. That it, it was really refreshing Mm -hmm. in the sense of you have two characters here and two main characters that aren't the most relatable or indeed likeable Mm -hmm. but they're compelling yeah and their story is interesting Mm -hmm. and however wacky it is um again no spoilers or as wacky as it becomes or you know that sort. It's still at its heart a character study. Yeah, and that's what's really interesting
0: is the fact that uh, you know at first glance you have one really moody character who's just mm. rude to everyone, and you have another one who is a conspiracy theorist who's really over the top and overbearing. But then they have these little moments where it's kind of like, oh my god, I could actually understand these characters a lot more now, and it kind of shows them in a different light and they just feel multi-layered and that is always a massive compliment to any film if you can you know provide multi-layered characters that are interesting and make me want to learn more about them now the fact that this film is led by a gay dwarf and a sex worker that's fucking great you know how often do you see that never never this must be the first film that has that exact mixture at the center of the film and I really just applaud the filmmakers for for doing that because it, you know we need stuff like this we need underrepresented communities and I mean tell me something that is more that isn't more underrepresented represent oh my god can I get my words out today that hasn't got enough representation um than you know LGBTQ plus dwarfs I mean that, where is the representation yeah You know, I've never seen that in a film before. And I like that. I mean, in general, we're getting more sex workers as protagonists in films, which is so refreshing. Um, But to have her as a sex worker slash a conspiracy theorist as well. That's
1: that's a bold move. It's a bold move, but it it works. It really works. It's uh, yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's interesting to see these characters. It's nice to see these opportunities mm-hmm. for, you know, these actors yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, and the the film doesn't keep bashing you over the head with it. No. Because it, that's not what the film is necessarily mm-hmm. about. It's about representation. And it's about, you could have had this grumpy gay character mm. played by... Anyone, yeah, really, yeah, because it doesn't keep bashing us over the head with the fact that he's a gay little person, mm. um, and I I appreciate that because the film stuck to a, a structure and stuck to these two opposites coming together, and that's what the film was about. Yeah. Yes, it does touch on these issues. Oh yeah, as it should. Yeah. you know, because. Those voices need to be heard, and it needs to be seen from that perspective. But it's also a compelling story.
0: Yeah. And much like, um, as I said, with Egghead and Twinkie, the end goal of the road trip, you didn't know how it was going to turn out. It's even more the case here with the fact that, you know, she thinks that they're going to go and witness an alien abduction. That's the whole plot of the film. Mm. And, you know, at first you think, okay, obviously she's full of shit and there's gonna be there's gonna be a big disappointment, but then as the film goes on and you see all these little surreal moments occur every now and then, it's kinda like, okay, is this film gonna go there? Is is this film gonna go there, are we going to see an alien abduction in this fucking film? Mm. Because it's so weird anyway, with a lot of other things it does, it kinda makes you believe it's gonna go there and it leaves you questioning. Again, I'm not going to spoil whether it does or not, but I think it just handled that really well.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I also think it's a film about loneliness, yeah. too. Yeah, definitely. Which I'm always sort of interested in, in cinema, and, and how that's sort of shown, and the character development from mm-hmm. that, and character uh, foibles. Yeah. So next
0: up, we have Golden Delicious, directed by Jason Carmen. And this is the other uh, film that felt like it was heavily influenced by Love, Simon, for me. It's a romantic drama following Asian-Canadian teen Jake who, when basketball-obsessed Alex moves across the street, finds himself trying out for the basketball team to get his attention. Uh, now, in recent years, we've seen so many coming-of-age gay films... And, and that is not a complaint. Coming-of-age gay films where a guy's figuring out his sexuality, he falls in love with another guy, this helps him realise, uh, it may or may not lead to a straight girl getting her heart broken. And it's it's a formula now. Mm. It's a formula and it's getting very familiar. But, oh my God, thank God. Because, I mean, us gays are allowed formulaic films as well. We don't always have to have films that are all about gay trauma all the time. Uh, sometimes a romantic drama about finding yourself is... It's perfectly fine. And that's the, what this film is. This is a really good film.
1: Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. It, it is f- formulaic um, yeah. at times. And it is something that we've come to see a lot. But again, told from the Asian-Canadian perspective. Yeah. Gives it new meaning and, and nuances. And it tells a bigger story. I loved love simon i thought yeah. it was a fantastic film i i really did but it is kind of well you know he is a conventionally attractive white guy with a really nice house mm-hmm. and his mum looks like jennifer garner so it's you know it, it's a bit like that and it, it's not so far removed from that this film you know he's a very conventionally attractive man he's popular he's you know even though he's not particularly good he's on the basketball team he is kind of that that guy um but his family dynamic yeah i thought was probably the most interesting aspect it was of the yeah, film absolutely and i liked that and i i liked because I didn't particularly like him a massive amount. No, he was very uh, morally questionable. Yeah. And we all make mistakes and, and such. And, but I, I found that the dynamic between his family and him was the, the part that piqued my interest mm-hmm. the most. And I thought it was very well handled. And I thought it was very interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um. And the... Sort of romantic dynamic between him and, uh, you know, both of his love interests. I thought it was really good. I thought all, you know, the cast did a really great job. Um, I thought both relationships were completely believable, um, which kind of makes it easier to become invested in, in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you're going to be similar to any gay film, then be similar to
1: Love, Simon. I mean, that's, uh... High compliment. Great it's film. Absolutely. A little racier as well. You yeah, it is. It is. Little, it is. A little more going on between the sheets.
0: Uh, next up, we have How to Tell a Secret, which is a documentary directed by Anna Rogers and Sean Dunn. Um, and it explores the act of disclosure of being HIV positive and the stigma that drives people to withhold their status in Contemporary Ireland. Um Documentaries like this, always, so important, always needed, all the time.
1: Yeah, I can, and yeah,
0: this has does something really unusual, which I wasn't sure at first how well it was going to work, but it blends documentary filmmaking and theater. Mm. So this is based on a stage play. Yes. Um. And do you know what it? It works. It really works. Um, And it definitely adds a lot of emotional depth to the film itself. Um, Sean Dunn, who's one of the directors, he's one of the, you know, he's part of the documentary itself. He is one of the subjects. Um, It it talks about various people who are HIV positive and the lack of education surrounding um, HIV and AIDS. And it is fucking shocking that we're in 2023. This film was made in 2022 and it, you know, seeing people in this documentary say that they had no idea that we had come such a long way with being HIV positive compared to the late 80s and the 90s. That's fucking awful. Why would, why would schools not want to teach that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's told from an Irish perspective. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's an Irish film. What I found most compelling was the um theatre moment mm. where you had actors and ordinary people speaking the words of others. Yeah. And speaking the words of those with HIV mm-hmm. and AIDS, you know, speaking their words. Yeah. And... You know, I know it's cliche, but walking a mile in their shoot to a certain degree and fully deal, you know, as actors and fully deal with what they were saying and what that means and how these people mm-hmm. lived their lives. Yeah uh from day to day i i just found that i found that very interesting yeah. and it wasn't just a queer male perspective either. no 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 and i did appreciate that and i i understand the reasons why um but i think a lot of aids stories are told from a gay man's perspective yeah. um and that's not always the whole of the story so it was nice to see those different perspectives
0: yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah, and it's it's one of those films that I just can't recommend enough because, again, you know, not only is the subject matter incredibly important and it provides that education that, you know, people in Ireland are clearly lacking, um, but it's also just really well made and just really, really interesting and eye-opening.
1: I think it's important to hear people's stories from their own... Well, I'd say mouths, but from their own hand, Mm. from their own thoughts and feelings. And we have many great Hollywood films about the subject, Mm -hmm. but it's always from an outsider's perspective. Yeah. And I really appreciated a documentary like this that is there to not only educate, but to also show the human side Yeah, yeah. of, you know, the HIV and AIDS pandemic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And also one that's set in modern day as well. Because yes. a lot of the documentaries surrounding HIV and AIDS is obviously uh, based around when it first came about. Whereas yeah. this, you know, looks at it from a modern perspective, and yeah handles it really well
1: yeah i feel i feel like a lot of stories do sort of focus mainly on you know the 80s and 90s where y- you know it it was at its peak uh, you know and things weren't being done about it and that is a story that has to be told i think you know um I think it's one of the best shows ever, but I cannot Pose. remember. Pose. I think Pose is one of the best TV shows ever made. Um, but it's interesting to see it from a modern perspective where living with it day to day and dealing with the stigma of it, because we're in a better position than we've ever been, but still dealing with the stigma of it in a modern way. Society Mm -hmm. in a modern setting. Yeah. I found that very interesting.
0: Yeah. Next up, another documentary, we have Willem and Frida Defying the Nazis, uh, directed by John Hay, and it's about Willem, who was an artist who lived openly as a gay man at a time when very few did. Frida, who was a well connected musician who became the first woman to lead an orchestra. And we learn of their early lives and the selfless decisions that informed their devotion to the anti Nazi cause. Often at great personal risk. At uh, this one, we can already tell you, you can go and watch
1: yes, on Channel 4. very pleased to say. Did it screen on TV? I don't know. I don't know that much. Because um, I know it's on, I think it's on the YouTube. The uh, Channel 4 YouTube. Oh, okay. Uh, it's Channel 4 Documentary. So yeah. I think it's been online.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, this was a documentary where I knew very little about the subject, uh, and it was thoroughly fascinating.
1: Yeah, I I have to say, I knew nothing of the subject. Mm. Um, when we saw the name Willem and Frieda, I've no idea who they are. Um, shame on me, because their story is a very important yeah. one. Um, It's hosted by Stephen Fry, who does a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's a wonderful host for these kind of shows, and these kind of documentaries, should I say. And I just thought it was a very interesting story. I've said it time and time again on the podcast. eh, When it comes to documentaries, if you're not interested in the subject matter, you're not necessarily... You can't lure people in if they're not interested, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I was interested in it. I read up about it afterwards. I thought it was a fantastic story. I want to learn more about them. Yeah. Because they were top-notch people. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Nothing really else to say. No, (laughs) no. It's
1: just a really, really good documentary. It is. It is. It's a fascinating subject. The documentary is well-made. Stephen Fry is a fantastic host. It's a compelling story. It's based on you know queerness and celebrating queerness, but also fighting oppression. Yeah, come on, you know, make make the Hollywood blockbuster about it. Yeah, um, and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch would definitely, definitely be absolutely would.
0: <laughs> and for the last of our documentaries, we have Prejudice and Pride, Swedish film queer. Directed by Eva Belling, and it's a journey through Swedish film history by the depiction of the LGBTQ plus community uh, for a hundred years, from Stiller via Bergman and settling to the present day. Uh they cover everything that could possibly be covered in what is like what, an hour and thirty, f- an hour and forty. Mm-hmm. Um this is so good. This is actually
1: reminded me a lot of The Celluloid Closet. I love The Celluloid Closet. I think that's a fantastic documentary. And in many ways, this is the Swedish version yeah. of The Celluloid Closet.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those films where you, you know, if you're like me, you start watching it with a, a fairly big watch list and you come away with an even bigger watch list because <laughs> it, co- it goes through so many different films with really great. Uh, clips from them Now When I think Swedish queer cinema Of course I think Persona And Hour of the Wolf mm-hmm. First things that come to mind um, And there is a really good section That discusses Ingmar Bergman uh, On the documentary But It doesn't take over the whole thing Like there is so much more That I did not know
1: existed I had no idea From really early on as Very well. early on mm, Very early We We you know, I'm. I'm I hope uh, Gary doesn't mind me admitting this. We're not the biggest connoisseurs of Swedish cinema, <laughs> in the in the sense of we've got a lot of watching to do yeah. in terms of Swedish cinema. We've seen a bit of Ingmar Bergman, and I, I think there's a big gap there. Mm-hmm. This was fantastic. I like films about films because I love films. So I like documentaries that talk about films. Yeah. I enjoy that. So I was already going to love it. What I really appreciated was it was so Mm in-depth about these films, went back so far, and I'm a stickler for, you know, that's not the word I was looking for, but I love a watch list. Yeah. And if any film is going to give me a slew of films to add to the watch list, I'm going to appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Before we get back to the feature length films,
0: I'll do a quick fire round on some great shorts that we watched. Uh, We had Fish, which uh, was really absurd. Uh, A great look at modern dating in just a really weird, funny way.
1: It was strange. It was it was very strange, but very funny. It, just, it was good. It was good. It was fun. Very yeah. modern as well. We had Hold
0: On To Me, which I thought was just absolutely wonderful. Um, it's a strange one, though, because it kind of felt like... I mean, I suppose it was a short documentary. So, you know, it's an ode to a community of care, joy, and survival created and sustained by Latribius Collins, who is mother to her Brooklyn community of black and brown trans people. Um, and you, you literally just learn about Latrivia's Collins for a few minutes, and it, I thought that was great. Yeah. I'd like to see something a little longer. Longer. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Something longer, the real history of, yeah. of that community and mm-hmm. what that means and who these people are. I would have, yeah, I would have loved a, a longer film on that. Uh, there's My Dear Boy, which
0: was... Really surreal. Um, And it was just the rise and fall of a relationship within five minutes. Told really well with surrealism. Cannot complain at that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, it was a rise and fall. (laughs) Uh, You liked that? I
0: did. (laughs) The short film. (laughs) Um, Directed by and starring Jeremy McLean of Pose fame. Uh, which was a really interesting look at sex work in a modern perspective. Um, Really artsy, really well made. And I'm very interested to see what Jeremy McLean does next. Hopefully he does some
1: feature length. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, great actor. Loved him in Pose. My thing about short films, and this is a question about short films in general, do you think it's a good thing when a short film makes you want a longer version? Or do you think it because it hasn't accomplished what it needs to in a short amount of time? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? I think there's an argument for both. Mm. I, I think there are
0: some short films that I don't, don't do enough. Uh, but all the ones that I've just mentioned, it they, I just really enjoyed them and wanted to see more of them. Um, yeah. Which kind of makes me hope that they get feature length films mm. made of them. Um, yeah. And especially the final one that I'm going to mention, Mooncake. Uh, which is one of the most unique shorts I've seen. This had a really unique style to it. um and it's just a story of finding your identity and it's just done really well with some fantastic visuals.
1: Yeah, I loved how quirky it was. yeah, I really did. yeah, that was a that was a fun little film that didn't serve it to you straight up. Mm-hmm. no pun intended yeah.
0: <laughs> um so, I'm going to mention this one. Uh, yeah. Chris doesn't really want to. No, it's fine.
1: <laughs> it wasn't my
0: favourite. Uh, Laboom Mech, which is an adult film from 1979 that actually really reminded me of Kenneth Anger. Yes. There's, there's a certain style there, that sort of 70s erotica that kind of just immediately makes me think of, of Kenneth Anger. Um, if I watch more Fassbender, probably made me think of him as well, from what I've heard.
1: Yes, yeah,
0: that that is true as well. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I thought this was really beautifully shot. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it is a porno, so yeah, it, you're just watching sex for a prolonged period of time. But I mean, I thought it was really well made enough to warrant it being called an art piece. And it's made by Wallace Potts, who is the
1: director of Psycho Cop, which is so fucking random. It's, it's very random. I it's not that I didn't appreciate the artsy parts, and I agree with you. It was similar to Kenneth Anger and uh, Fassbinder, you know, very gritty. What I found boring was the sex. Yeah, because I found it was the same thing over and over. Um with all due respect to those men all the parts looked the same <laughs> they all looked very similar to each other yeah and i just found it really boring you know i i obviously i well obviously i didn't watch it to you know get a, that kind of thrill out of it I watched it because we kind of knew maybe we were talking about it on the podcast. <laughs> we talked, we spoke about it in terms of artistic, cinematic integrity, mm-hmm. you know? And that I kind of enjoyed. The porn bit was the bit I didn't enjoy. I feel like there was a purpose behind it, though, because, I mean, it says a lot about narcissism
0: and... It's specifically with muscle gaze and I mean, some areas we haven't really come a long way from that, Um but yeah, I mean, there were a few things where I was like, okay, like the wanking in the mirror thing, I was like, there's a message here. I, I don't think, like, it's just a guy wanking in the mirror for the sake of it. I, I feel like this is absolutely commentary on, on narcissism. Commentary? And commentary, well commentary on narcissism but with with a specific type of
1: gay man which is really interesting but why did i then have to watch so much of the same dick doing the same thing not in a mirror because it's a porno <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry you know i was i was bored all the cocks look the same <laughs> i was keeping it classy and then gary was just like wanking in the mirror uh, <laughs> All the cocks look the same. All the asses look the same. All the guys look the same. And there was some interesting bits in between. But if its intent was to titillate and interest me with its penises, then I'm sorry. Well, from <laughs> one...
0: From one French film with penis to another, Lie With Me uh, is... <laughs> Directed by Olivia Peon and this is a drama following novelist Stefan Balcourt who returns to his hometown for the first time in many years. Once there, he meets his first love son, Lucas, and memories come rushing back to him, including irrepressible attraction, bodies becoming one in the heat of desire,
1: a passion that can never be revealed. That's the official, yeah, which I, I, I didn't make that makes it up. sound, uh, and I really enjoyed the film, but it makes it sound a little more thrilling than it was. <laughs> it was actually quite, for me, a, a melancholy film. Yeah, I thought it was actually quite sad. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there were moments of passion and, and yes. thrills and such, but I thought actually, overall, it was a, and I keep saying this word, but it's the word I've got, so I'm going to keep using it a compelling story Mm -hmm. of regret. Yeah. And I really appreciated that. And I liked the characters and they didn't, I didn't always agree with what they did and such, but I was interested in them and I did like them and I enjoyed their story unfolding.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's very, uh, you know, as I said with a previous film on this episode, it is very multi-layered. Mm. Like, I mean, it really builds and builds and builds. And there are some twists and turns in there. And yeah, I didn't know, I didn't exactly know where the film was going. I thought I had a feeling where it was going, but I was wrong. And uh, I was glad I was wrong. I think it went in a really good direction. And I thought it was very well made.
1: Um, and it's actually based on a novel, which I'm
0: curious to read.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's about a novelist Yeah, uh, as well. So it's, I mean, it does come at it from a, a middle-class perspective, but the scenery was lovely, and it just makes me want to go back to France again. Yeah. And next up, we have XX plus XY, which
0: is directed by Seo yun Lee and this is a drama about an intersex teen and their friends as they navigate the complex feelings and urges that come with adolescence. now uh again you know talking about underrepresented communities it's not often you see films about intersex people and there's actually some other documentaries on SAB we didn't get to see um on the uh, bfi Flare this year about intersex people so it's good to see um that there's a rise in representation and this was, uh, to
1: put it politely, this was campus tits. It was pretty much a soap opera. Yeah. But still stayed... um, What's that word I'm looking for? Respectful. Yeah. Of the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel with stuff, particularly with sort of intersex and films in the past have maybe not treated the subject very respectfully. Um, I hope that somebody in part of the creation of the film was intersex yeah. or, or could speak from an intersex perspective. But I did actually think that subject matter was, was respectfully handled in what was a very camp film. Yeah. Very soap operatic. Oh my God. There's so much melodrama here. So much melodrama. If this is, uh, we haven't watched any Korean TV dramas, but if this is what they're like, we might have to start watching some because it was ridiculous at times. Yeah. yeah.
0: It has a really bizarre cliffhanger ending and, it, that just really adds to the melodrama that's that's found here. You know, it's yeah. I really enjoyed it. I I was thoroughly entertained throughout, and it was it was just very really refreshing to see a film led by an intersex character,
1: and quite heartwarming as well. Yeah, I for it it left me with a warm, fuzzy feeling by yeah. the end. And that brings us to
0: our final film, and whilst this has not been. Uh, in any particular order, this is coincidentally my favourite film of the festival and
1: one of my favourites of this year so far. Uh, I guess I completely agree. I would say if if you are able to watch this film, yeah. I 100% say you should watch
0: it. Yeah. Keep an eye out for all the films we have spoke about today. Yeah. Um, You know, whether they're already available when you listen to this or if there's any news about them being released, keep an eye on them and check them out. As soon as you can. Uh, and our final film is Big Boys. Directed by Corin Sherman. Uh, so this is a coming of age comedy. Following a teenage boy. As he experiences a sexual awakening. When he falls for his cousin's boyfriend. On a family camping trip. Now for years. We've seen many. LGBTQ plus. Films. And gay characters. Always follow A certain. They they all look a certain way, mm-hmm. um, regardless of race. There's a good chance they're muscly, yeah. Um, and characters we can't necessarily. I mean, we can relate to the themes, yeah. but with the way they look, can't necessarily relate to it. Oh my god, I've never felt so seen by a film as I have with Big Boys. I mean, this is the chubby gay representation we
1: need. I completely agree. I thought that the story was so well handled um it wasn't the joke was never on Jamie no at all as a chubby gay character struggling with so much mm-hmm. the joke was never on him no um I really really appreciated that he Felt normal. Like I said earlier, so many gay people have had that attraction for a straight person, and it's super awkward. Being gay and not being able to tell anyone is super awkward, Mm. particularly when people ask you questions about if you have a girlfriend or, or if you are dating someone of the opposite sex. It's super awkward coming out. Yeah. is super awkward. And this encapsulates so much of that. Mm -hmm. And the awkwardness of not just being a teenager, but being a gay teenager. He isn't the star basketball player. No. He's not conventionally attractive. He's not got, you know boys or girls chasing after him. Mm-hmm. And I mean I felt seen. Yeah. It's... I d- I felt like oh my god this 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 was me. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and this is the first time I've seen 2 have done this. Um and I really hope we see more of it because I really could have done with something like this when I was 14. That's that's for certain.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's some um, you know love Simon and I did like Love, Simon. I thought it was a great film. But it is very stereotypical of what we find in gay cinema, particularly from a a man, a gay man's perspective, is conventionally attractive, breaks a, a straight girl's heart on the way there, finds love, um, turns out his family is super supportive... And he lives in a big house and has so many lovely things. And the other conventionally attractive guy falls for him straight away. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a match made in heaven, you know. And I I love that. I love that story. But it's, to me, it's escapism. Whereas this didn't feel like escapism. This felt real Mm -hmm. and true and relatable. Yeah. That isn't to say, you know me and the uh, Jamie are the same character. I wasn't exactly like that when I was younger, but you know, there's similarities there. And I like being able to see that in films. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was so
0: refreshing. And I, again, you know, I really want to see more films like this. Mm -hmm. It also stars one of my favorite modern screen queens as well. Dora Madison from bliss, VFW, Christmas, bloody Christmas, and alone with you. That was nice. I didn't I didn't expect to
1: see her in it. Yeah. She was yeah. very good. The whole she cast do She's a really good, good job. Everything. But the cast it was really well acted as yeah. well. I really, really appreciated it. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. And with that, that is our BFI
0: Flare highlights for this year. And hopefully we will be able to do it all again next year for you. I mean, we've been doing BFI Flare for like three years now, is it? Three years? Two, three mm. years? And it's it's always a pleasure, and we really appreciate being asked to come back each time.
1: Yeah, really appreciate it. Very thankful for having the opportunity to watch these films. Yeah,
0: and for the screeners as well that weren't available on the digital library, uh, which was Golden Delicious and unidentified objects.
1: Um. Yeah, fully appreciated that. These are the films that we like to see, and it's why we keep these episodes positive, because we want to shine a light on these films we're very fortunate to have watched these and we just hope that in some small way us talking about the films helps yeah you know broaden the audience or hopefully somebody and you know I'm not being uh, big headed here because it's not true but maybe somebody could listen and be like oh that sounds great let's yeah. see if i can get hopefully. that for my festival Or let's see if we can get that, you know, for distribution. Or where can I find this? Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, (laughs) I'm I'm not saying I'm an influencer, but (laughs) I never post online. So,
0: Well, if you have seen any of these films or if you want to know any more about them, we are Horrible Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horrible Trash on Twitter. Yeah, you can find me as DeadEightGas92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and night 92 on Twitter. Uh,
1: you can find me as ChrisBarker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. And, uh, speaking of festivals, especially
0: festivals that deal with LGBTQIA plus films, we are hosting our own one called Gasp. Um, Again, if you're just here for the festival episodes, you won't notice. If you're here for every episode, you're probably sick of hearing it by now. Uh, but it takes place at Cultplex in Manchester on the 17th and 18th of June. And we are only showing films by minority filmmakers. And we are very proud of that and very proud of the line that we put together. So check us out Uh Gasp Horror Fest across all social media.
1: Yeah, really looking forward to putting on our own festival that in many ways celebrates similar themes to BFI Flare from horror because obviously we love our horror films and we would love people to come in and watch these films because they're really fucking good
0: yeah give us a rate, review, subscribe on iTunes like and follow on everything else we'll be back next week on Tuesday where we'll be bringing you a less positive episode (laughs) when we tackle the next three films In the Howraiser franchise. Mm, Something I I am
1: not looking forward to.
0: Including Howraiser Deader, when you're not dead enough, Deader. How World, which sounds like a fucking nightclub in Wolverhampton. And uh, Revelations. I'm sure Chris is going to have an absolute blast with those films.
1: Yes, I'm sure.
0: We'll be back, same time, same place on Tuesday.
1: Bye.